It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the planet, we're Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. And if you can't listen live overnight, you can listen when and where you want. All right, so I, my mind got working on this. In case you're just tuning in right now, we were talking about the uh, the reparations uh, uh, push in uh, California, both in the state of California and in uh, San Francisco. And uh, the story out there to, uh the other day on uh, uh, Newsom now being pressured that if the state legislature doesn't pass it, these so-called bond, uh, excuse me, bond, these so-called reparation experts believe that the governor <laughs> can uh, demand that the, the reparations uh, be paid. Now, we've talked about the $5 million per recipient in San Francisco and now up to 360000 in the state of California, and we've said this, no matter where this heads, it's, it's going to be one of the biggest liberal circular firing squads you've ever seen. So what I started doing was I started doing research because you would have to. You, you think about it for, for, uh, for San Francisco that could be like two. They've got so many reparations in there, you know, 100 different ones. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about it could be $300 billion. Easy, yeah. And, and so you say. <laughs> in in a city where uh, it's a, a fourteen billion is their budget every year, yeah. So you would destroy the entire city. Everybody would have to move out. Nobody could afford to be there. Last one out pays the tab. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I started looking just in general, uh, you know, for the rules and regulations. Uh, I was looking to see, okay, uh, number one, what's the longest that you can finance debt in the state of california if there's a limit to a, a I that i can't i can't find that okay i can't find that i what i did find was uh, a couple of things in don't going to the california uh, treasury because it's interesting just to figure out if they ever passed it what would they do at that point i have a feeling the courts would it would go to the courts and the courts would say sorry it's impossible you can't do it you know even if the legislature passed it or the uh, whatever the city council or whoever would be the final vote in um, in in San Francisco, I have a feeling courts would say it's impossible. You can't do it. Well, because uh, I, I don't know it, it, for the funding mechanism. That's it's going to depend on the funding mechanism. I think the the court challenges are all going to be based on the funding mechanisms. Right, and and, and you've got it right there because when I look at uh, it, uh, you know they they. Uh, they they look at uh, you know uh, you know how you know what is how do you how do you figure out what's the decision uh, that you are able to take out a bond? Well, they look at what your revenue flow is. Yeah, right. Uh, the decision hinges on the answers to three questions. This is from the Treasury Department of California. Mm. What sources of revenue are sufficiently creditworthy to serve as security for the debt? In essence, what they're saying is your average, you know, tax load is what makes you credit worthy. That's the security for the debt. Is your yeah. source of revenues. Yeah. Well, <laughs> how do you write? 
That's why I wanted to see if there was something I was missing, whether they thought they could take out a thousand year municipal bond in order to pay for it. Uh, the uh, and, and that's why I was looking for what's is there is a is there a term? And when I got to the point of, you know, what, what the term would be, a public agency must also decide the term of the debt. That is the length of time the debt may be owed. The term may be short, medium or long. The decision hinges on the answers again uh, to the uh, three questions. How much debt service is the agency able to pay without limiting other programs or services? Yeah. <laughs> well, number one's out the window. <laughs> Over what period does the public agency plan to repay the debt? Well, if you look and you say, all right, the, um, you know, San Francisco, you pull in $14, $14 billion is your budget. You're probably pulling in. I mean, they have a, like, $737 million, I think it was something like that, mm. deficit. So it means you're pulling in $13 billion. I said not million, $13 billion. And, you know, you're pulling in $13.3 billion, but spending uh-huh, 14 Well, that, that amount has to be put on bond because you can't go into debt. Right. You, you write bonds, but you can't do debt. So where's your security? <laughs> You can't if you can't get a municipal bond, you can't do it. Yeah. Right. How does the term of the debt align with the useful life of the asset being financed? There is no asset being financed. You no, have no isn't. assets. No, it's an expenditure. Right. And then it says select an interest rate type. And it said <laughs> I'm sorry, most public debt is issued at a fixed rate debt. Some public agencies, particularly those with large cash reserves, may benefit from issuing variable rate debt. Well, here's the point. Would the creditors or the the uh, the bondholders want anything else but a variable rate debt on, on a municipal bond with no revenue security? What would the interest rate be? Wow. The interest rate over the term might be another Three hundred billion dollars. <laughs> I mean, it's just, and I know, I know this is an act in futility, but I just, I had to go and check it out. It got my mind working. I just had to think to myself, well, what are they thinking? Did anybody in that San Francisco supervisors meeting stand up and say, "You people are nuts"? Somebody had to, right? Yeah, uh, there- I, I would think somebody said, "There's no way to pay for it. There's no way to pay for it. There is no math here." That pays for it. No, there isn't. And not even math with feelings. Now, remember when Venezuela took all the assets that GM had in Venezuela? Yeah. Remember that? Yes. Okay. So, <laughs> technically speaking, if the city of San Francisco wanted to commandeer all of the assets of whatever tech companies are that are there... uh. You have uh, Tesla just moved their engineering headquarters, just the engineering headquarters, back there because the Twitter headquarters are there and Elon Musk saw that as a convenience. So you take over, (laughs) you commandeer the assets of all the corporations. That's still not going to get you there, by the way. Still not going to get you there. 
Because we're doing very simple math here. Yeah, very simple. <laughs> it's, I don't, there are costs that, that along the way are going to skyrocket this far beyond what anybody has ever put a paper on it. Everything is a conservative estimate based on what we know right now. Mm -hmm. It is just, honestly, there's no telling how much this thing could cost. It could be multi-trillions of dollars if if you were to do the real math here. If you do the real math and how you would finance it, which you can't finance it up front, right? I actually looked to see if if I could find the wealth of the assets of California, and I mm. couldn't find that immediately. I was like, can they can they leverage? Can they take a mortgage out on California? Yeah, uh, but but there's two two things we're talking about here: the uh, the reparations that would be for 1.8 million uh, from the state of California, uh, which is 360 thousand per eligible recipient. And then the San Francisco for $5 million. The San Francisco is $5 million each recipient, $97,000 a year for the next 250 years. Uh, You can buy a house for $1. And what was the other one? Oh, all debt. All your debt is wiped out. Hmm. So when they took the consideration of 35000 that was estimated, I think, Somebody did that estimated at thirty five thousand, not fifty thousand recipients, but thirty five thousand. Mm. It came to just under two hundred billion. But that was only looking at the reparations portion of it and not everything else. Right. And so we had to just we had to. I mean, that's what we do here. We had to look and say, okay, if you took out a municipal bond, right. what would it what would it be like? Somebody has to do that figuring. Yeah, if we want to entertain this for a moment. <laughs> What would it actually look like? And so it's not going to happen. And then, man, is the liberal circular firing squad ever oh, going to heat up? Well, because, again, here's the question. How do you not do it now? Or it's something like 10000 You can't go lower. It's either do it or don't. <laughs> I know. That's the thing. You can't go lower. Because <laughs> going lower... Is even worse than not doing it. <laughs> Saying, oh, we could come up with this 10, 10 grand and some, uh-huh. some Niners tickets or something. And remember, in San Francisco, the vote was unanimous. Everybody, everybody is delusional in San Francisco. Everyone. Completely, totally delusional and insane yeah but they feel good about themselves because they voted they virtued signaled the impossible and that's what makes them feel good (laughs) they can sleep at night knowing that they care more in their dreams than you care more in your dreams Hmm. or they care more in their delusions than you care in your delusions we can put a number to how much we care <laughs> the can one you quantify thing, your caring the we one can the one positive thing is and and uh you know we we've, we've talked about it if you want evidence 
as we've said before, of the racism that exists in liberals. It's identity politics where they judge people by groups and on individuals. And that's mainstream within the Democratic Party. This is another example. They feel guilt. They themselves have racist thoughts. Well, they live in the world of identity politics. They judge people by groups, not individuals. That's the basis of racism. That's how you get there. Right. That's what they believe. So they feel the guilt. This is just an admission from one of the most liberal cities in America that that's where the racism truly is because they feel guilty because of their racist thoughts and their racist mindset to the point where they have to they feel so guilty that they have to go to an unreachable number to pay back for their bigotry. So at least it's an acknowledgement from one of the most liberal cities in the United States that it's liberalism. And and this is, again, the, the this is, uh, uh, in a way, self-reported by them, that this shows yeah, the right. guilt that they feel for the racist city that they believe in the racist liberal mindset that, that they hold. Mm-hmm. So I guess we have progressed at least in that, that the people that are truly the racist have come to the realization that we are the racist and we are guilty because of it. Right. And with that, we can and simply say... And they can say, put a price to their right. guilt. And for that, we simply say, uh, tell us where we're wrong, hmm. San Francisco. Yeah. 866-90-RED-EYE. We're going to do everything in our power to keep families and communities and, of course, our brave firefighters safe. To better manage our national treasure mitigate the risk of catastrophic wildfires, and protect life and property. Vice President Kamala Harris and Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack announcing a new investment to those ends, the vice president telling reporters, We have invested $197 million in 100 communities across our nation through our new Community Wildfire Defense Grant Program. The grants will help local communities do things to prevent damage and death from wildfires. Which is, of course, about preparedness and resilience. Because we know the best time to fight a fire is before it starts. Ag Secretary Vilsack said this $2 million investment is not a one-time standalone thing. This is an initial round of funding. It is a critical down payment to to protect vulnerable communities. Part of a total four-year anti-wildfire investment of about $7 billion. Gary Crawford for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. This report is made possible by Cenex Roadmaster XL Premium Diesel and Sitco Lubricants. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. You know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. Truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. 
The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there... Don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. So I saw yesterday, Eric, uh, the you know the headline all over the place, Biden signs legislation to declassify coronavirus origins. Mm. And then I start reading different stories on it, and I was like, oh, okay, so this thing passed. I initially, when, when Hawley came out with it, you and I both said, we said, okay, can the Democrats vote against this? Mm. You think about it. How many bills in Congress of a controversial nature and it was controversial. Yeah. Because, yeah. as we know, the federal government and Democrats wished to censor it. But they couldn't go on record to censor it, could they? No. So it was no. Una- it was unanimous. It was everyone in this, every single Democrat and Republican in the Senate, every single Republican and Democrat in the House voted yes to declassify. And then Biden signed it. There was a period of silence there where people went, oh, my gosh. Will he not sign it? And we said he has to sign There's it. There's no way you don't sign it. And I see here that the, what what it uh, says is that he has. they have to declassify, quote, to classify any and all information relating to potential links between the Wuhan Institute of Virology and the origin, end of quote. Is that is that it? Is that the statement? Are there exceptions? Or does the government actually now... And it's not a request by Congress. It is now law. Everything, that's what it seems like they're saying, everything has to be classified or needs to be declassified. Yeah. And Josh Hawley, who introduced the bill, said, today President Biden finally signed my bill to declassify what the government knows about COVID origins. Hmm. Is Is that, it seems like it's supposed to be Everything that they have, we're right. supposed to get. Right. I don't know of any exceptions or limitations. My question would be, how long is it going to take then? See, and here's this. I'm reading this here. Uh, just in the uh, uh, POTUS has signed the COVID-19 Origin Act of 2023, saying he shares... Quote, the Congress's goal of releasing as much information as possible about the origin of All right. coronavirus mm-hmm. disease. That's mm-hmm. from the president. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you mean as possible? 
yeah. statement from the president. That's, pretty, that's, that's I, a pretty I, broad right. exception. Right. Uh, I am pleased to sign into the law, the, the law, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, I share Congress's goal of releasing as much information as possible about the origin of coronavirus disease 2019. Mm-hmm. In 2021, I directed intelligence community, uh, community uh, to use every tool in its disposal to investigate the origin of COVID-19. We need to get to the bottom of COVID-19's origin to help ensure that we can uh, uh, better respond to future pandemics. My administration will continue to review all classified information relating to COVID-19 origins. Sounds like one of those empty pledges. In implementing this legislation, my administration will declassify as much of that information as possible, consistent with my constitutional uh, uh, authority to protect against disclosures of information that would harm national security. Hmm. Well, that's a judgment call. Yeah, as you ju- as much as possible, right? And that that's why I'm like, okay, yeah. Is is it still going to be drip, 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 drip? Well, that's that's that was my first question was, how soon do we learn? Because honestly, how binding is it? He could slow roll this till the end of time. Yeah, and. That's likely what he's going to do. Join the conversation. 1-866-90-RED-EYE. Red Eye Radio. And he's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. 866-90-RED-EYE. Yeah, so as we look at this, and uh, that's what I thought yesterday. I said, oh, good. All right, good. Well, they've got, you know, uh, unanimous vote. All members of Congress saying declassify what we have. Mm-hmm. And then you read into what the president's statement. I'll declassify as much as possible without compromising national security on COVID right. and its origins. Well, right. everything is classified right now to protect national security. Is it not? Is this an admission that we overclassify everything? Well, uh, I think so. Uh, but it's also an indication that that it, it really isn't binding. The action by Congress isn't binding. He can And he can sign it, but he, he can still decide, well... Too much of this is uh, is is top secret, or or a lot of this is top secret, and is protecting national security and cannot be declassified. Well, look, we know that they've done everything they possibly can. The Democrats have to not find the origin of COVID, mm-hmm. and you have to ask your question: your, the question, why do they do they have evidence that they don't wish to release to the public that shows? that it came from a lab leak, China was responsible, and the United States, with the funding that we provided for it, uh, was a indirect cause of releasing the virus, which would again uh, politically indict 
Fauci, the NIH, and all the Democrats that supported everything that went on and been trying to censor. I mean, why did everything go on? Why was why was there the censoring of the left? Nothing like this is again one of those things that don't doesn't make sense to the American public. Why did you try to censor all this? Why couldn't why couldn't you bring up the lab leak? Why was there such an immediate reaction about that? And and so when you hear this, and I think Democrats, or excuse me, I think Republicans should be very clear about this instead of celebrating it. Say, look, now Congress has said release this, release it. The president needs to release it now, or it, and the things that he doesn't release should go. This, this at least, I, I could handle this. Everything should be released, and anything that cannot be released has to be reviewed by the Gang of Eight, and which includes the head of the Senate and Intelligence Committees, because at that point, Republicans know. Yeah. I could see that kind of pressure building if if they don't produce, start producing some results, you know, soon. But I don't expect this administration to move. You know, their own Department of Energy says, yeah, it was likely a, 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 a lab leak. And then they come back and say, well, there's no consensus on that. You know, it's like you're in the ER. And a doctor walks in and says, well, we think this is what's going on with you. And we think this is the cause. And then another doctor comes in 10 minutes later. Well, I disagree. I think this is what's going on with you. And this is the cause. Well, we need to know why. And then they just go back and forth and argue which one's right instead of actually doing the testing and investigating as to what is going on this is the entire approach has been well some believe this and some believe you know how we can solve it release all the information why does why does the department of energy lean one way why does the fbi lean one way and what other agencies uh that disagree with that show us the evidence that they have right release it i just don't I think I, I hope I'm wrong on this, but I have a feeling three months from now Republicans will be screaming that we don't know any more than we knew when we passed, you know, when we passed before we passed this bill. Yeah, because nothing makes sense as to why there was that immediate reaction from the United States government, from everyone to say only one theory is viable Everything else is a racist conspiracy. Why would you choose to die on that hill instead of saying, well, no, we don't know where it came from. So let's open up all theories and and have all discussions on it. Why the and it was immediate. It wasn't like this was drawn out. I mean, you were by by the time we got to the middle of February, you were a racist conspiracy theorist if you brought up the lab leak theory. Yeah, and this whole thing that they brought up—well, uh, they were saying that it was a—they—they—they they, they were saying that it could have been a a bioweapon. Well, that's also a possibility you can look into and discount. But a bioweapon is not the same as an accidental lab leak of a virus that you created there. So we can look into all of them. And that was said, by the way, uh, by Tom Cotton back then. Mm-hmm. He said that at the end of February of mm-hmm. 2020. Mm-hmm. We can look into all of it. 
you know, there's all these possibilities. We don't know. Right. You don't know if it's a conspiracy theory. Right. But why was there such immediate reaction? Why did the United States government and the media that supports the, the you know, the, 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 uh, the, the, the Democrats, why was, because Trump wanted to know, Republicans wanted to know. Sure. Trump was in office. And for some reason, the Democrats wanted it all shut down and their media wanted all debate shut down. The question is why? It's the same kind of question. That's a logical question that if you have an investigative mind, you would want to know. This is outside politics. You just want to know. It's like when you look at the investigative mind, when the Democrats say, ah, there's nothing to Biden getting. Doesn't matter if his family got millions of dollars from a Chinese energy company uh, that had very close ties uh, to the Chinese Communist Party. There's no big deal mm-hmm. that they got millions from Russian oligarchs, oh, that aren't sanctioned like the rest of the oligarchs. Mm-hmm. There's no big deal. Well, there is a big deal because the investigative mind that most people have, because we all love to watch those murder mysteries on Dateline, don't we? Mm-hmm. And so we start thinking, okay, what's going on? And you follow the money trail, and then you say, remember, it was uh, a couple of months ago, and then they dropped that real quick. Well, Trump made money off his name. Why can't Biden make money off his name? Basically, that was the Babette view of the view. Yeah. If you remember that. Yeah. Was that you know, that's what they were saying at, instead of Bubba. Uh, <laughs> we are. Yeah, we, we went from now this whole thing is uh, uh, Russian disinformation to, oh, it's okay for him to make money. <laughs> exactly because he made it on his name just like trump uh-huh. except uh trump sold a some trump had a product to sell as yeah. we all know and we know what that product is yes uh but if you wish to do an investigation you have on everything uh but on uh on uh, this with the biden the first question people have is well he doesn't have a private business what is he selling these people and what is the first thing that comes to people's mind political influence mm-hmm and everybody knows it. Right. And and so you know, but that was that was another one that was again, they wanted they wanted that censored and you ask why why why? Why did the so many in government, why did the Democrats in government and the media that support them want all these things to be censored? Why? And on the lab leak, it was a theory. Right. Couldn't have a discussion about it. The moment you entertained the lab leak theory, you were shut down. And so, you know, I, you know, I, there was a lot of joy. Oh, Republicans are joy. Well, you don't get anything yet. And then when we read it, you and I both read it, we said, oh, the administration said it would share as much as possible without compromising national security. There, well, well, there is nothing binding here that forces the administration to do anything so it's it's about the political it's about how much because i think this is why you you had democrats just say okay fine vote for it and and so that we can show we can demonstrate we voted for it on capitol hill but we know that it won't do anything the president is not forced to do anything because okay compromising national security will then there's a bunch of classified stuff that you're claiming will be declassified tomorrow that yesterday was compromising national security if you released it, and today it's not. Well, how long is it going to be reviewed? Yeah. 
we're we're we are reviewing, and we as soon as all of it is separated as to what can be released and what can't be, then we'll release it. So that's a question we have: Why would every Democrat vote against it? Because they or vote for it? Because they can't be listed as voting against it, and right. are they relatively sure that the information that might be damning to something that they wanted censored for the longest time that, you know, it's what they were trying to censor is what actually the cause of COVID was, and that can be used against them. So we'll vote for it, knowing that the president has ultimate authority and won't release anything that's damaging to them. I think that's clear. I think I, I, I subscribe to that theory that that's exactly why they did it. We can show that we want to get to the bottom of this knowing we're never going to get to the bottom of this. And my question is, were Republicans played by their joyful glee yesterday instead of saying, well, we'll see if they follow what is now law in the because this is law now and they have to abide by it. Or they need to be saying that very, very soon in the next couple of days that they have great suspicion that the administration will actually do it in order to force the administration at least put the political pressure on to do it, because now it's legislation. Mm-hmm. And if it's not binding legislation, then you have to uh, you have to explain to me, Republicans, why the hell you proposed it. I, that's, I've been wondering that all along. What is it that you think you can do that, that will force the administration to release it? Right. Tell, show me the language. Because they get to the president gets to decide what will be de- declassified and not, and everything today. If they release anything tomorrow, remember it would have compromised national security yesterday. Mm-hmm. So what's the difference? We don't trust. Sorry, <laughs> this administration has earned zero trust, and the Democrats wanting to censor one of the theories of COVID. Well, here's the thing. Uh, what you know. What are the chances of anything being released that would show, that would point to the lab leak theory? Almost zero. Because the administration is fighting their own energy department on that. And the FBI, they're countering the FBI and the Department of Energy, who both said, "Eh, that looks more likely. And they're saying, well, there's no consensus. Well, the president has the classified information. He knows already. Yeah, he does. That's a great point. He knows already. What are the chances that they're going to release anything that shows it is likely the lab leak theory? I say close to zero. It may be the opposite. They actually, they may just, they they may release something to to make their whole point about what about the, the, uh, the wet market? What about, what about the analysis of the energy department and the FBI? Sorry, that's classified. Right. I don't trust it. Remember, this is a president who lied to the American people about the exit in Afghanistan Mm -hmm. and lied about what his top generals told him. Yep. Which resulted in 13 Soldiers being American soldiers being killed, being blown to bits. Mm-hmm. And we're supposed to trust that he's going to do the right thing here? 86690 Red Eye. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio.
In Red Eye Radio, he's Eric Carlin, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. You know what I hope to see today? I hope to see some legal analysis of the uh, testimony of uh, Bob Costello, who was the uh, legal advisor uh, to Michael Cohen yesterday, because, I, you know, you and I were lis- listening to him and seeing what he said yesterday and what had leaked out what he said, and I'm like, well, this destroys. Doesn't this really hurt an like, extremely weak case by the the DA Bragg? Doesn't this just tear that case apart in front of the grand jury? And I haven't heard a lot of talk about that because it seemed to be devastating testimony uh, in in the grand jury. He claimed that Bragg didn't want to hear it, but he talked anyway. And apparently the grand jury wanted to hear from him. And the grand jury gets to decide. They, uh, because in New York, uh, it is under New York law, uh, anyone uh, who claims to have exculpatory evidence uh, or testimony uh, can come forward if that, if the party who is being targeted, and that being Donald Trump and his lawyers, ask the grand jury. The grand jury can allow it. They can also say no, but Bragg doesn't have the say-so in that. And so then he comes forward, Costello comes forward, and so then you ask the motive. Well, he risks everything because Cohen was disbarred. Right. Costello has not been disbarred, and if he came forward and lied to came forward on his own and then lied to a grand jury and then caught got caught doing that he <laughs> would be disbarred and that's against the law so he doesn't have a motive to lie this is red eye radio on westwood one the Ed Milet Show showcases the greatest peak performers sharing their journey, knowledge, and thought leadership. This is one of the all-time best pieces of advice ever given on the show. Actor Rain Wilson. The number one thing that psychologists point to with young people of why they are struggling so much in this mental health epidemic is they don't have resilience. So how do you build resilience if you don't understand suffering itself? The Ed Milet Show is available on YouTube or wherever you listen. Movies, TV shows, books, podcasts, and more. It's what women binge with Melissa Joan Hart and her friend Amanda Lee. We have Lauren Bosworth with us. The Hills. So what is like your number one question from fans? The primary question I still get asked was, what, is it real? (laughs) (laughs) In 2024, to me, is a surprising question to get because I feel like everybody has been through the reality TV gauntlet at this point. What women binge wherever you listen.